Welcome, everyone, to Peace of Mind with Bernie the Attorney. I'm Bernie Crooks uh, from the law firm Littman Crooks, and this is our podcast series. And today our guests are Pam Moskowitz and Randy Silverman. And Pam and Randy have formed a parent-to-parent support group uh, for people who have kids who have mental health issues. Uh, Pam and Randy, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Bernie. Great, great talking to you. It's so nice being able to talk with two experts, and I do consider the two of you experts uh, on raising children who have mental health issues because, uh, in my experience, this is one of those unspoken things, and we've worked with clients for decades, and sometimes I don't know a client for three, four, or five meetings before they finally say, uh, well, you know, I've been meaning to tell you, uh, but one of my kids um, has this issue that I I want to tell you about, and I'm not sure how it affects the planning, where if the child has a physical or other type of disability, they come right out at the first meeting. So what do you think leads to this sort of trepidation that people have about discussing mental health uh, issues? That's an excellent question, Bernie. Um, I think the stigma is just so, so incredibly uh, strong when it comes to mental health issues, and um, that, that you know, we grew up in a, an era of keeping all of that secret and hidden under the rug and, and also feeling that if our kid was behaving in an abnormal way, that it must be something that we were doing wrong as parents. And it's, you know, I, I know that I suffered from that in the beginning, and um, I don't want to speak for Pam, but when, when your child first starts to behave in a way that's unusual, you, you, your first instinct is to isolate and um, be alone and and blame yourself. And we're hoping really to change that and to start getting people to talk about children's mental health issues just like they would uh, other physical medical issues because it's truly an illness of the brain like, like any other illness and should be treated that way. There's also been a change in the schools whereas once children with any sort of uh, learning issues or emotional issues were educated in other classrooms. Now there's much more inclusion classrooms where children with not only uh, physical disabilities but mental health disabilities are educated along, alongside t- more typical children. You guys are both parents of uh, teenagers or now, I, I believe, Pam, uh, you have a 20-something uh, who have grown up with mental health issues. Tell us about your perception of how the local communities and school districts and their peers have, re- have reacted to this. This, this is Pam. It's been, it's been very challenging. Um, a lot of my daughter's issues were she was so, she's socially immature, and that has a profound effect on relationships as kids are growing each year, social and emotionally. Um, my daughter had lags, which appeared as, as weird, and peers distanced themselves, as well as also tried to tolerate and accept her as best as they could. As far as the school went, um, sometimes Sarah's uh, mostly acted out behaviorally at home. And in school, she presented as quiet and, and somewhat compliant. So it was an ongoing discussion with the school district. We worked very hard for many, many years 
to keep her in school alongside other people with informing them of what was happening in our home after school. And many of our parents in our support group experienced very much the same, the same issues of children being able to quote unquote hold it together during the day and absolutely explode and fall apart at home. And I, I think that contributes to this feeling of self-blame that parents sometimes have that, well, and, and the school districts also blaming the parents because they don't see this behavior. And so it, it makes it very, very hard to recognize um, that, that it, it truly could be a mental health disorder that's, that's causing the behavior. And, um, it, you know, it, it can be very a long process trying to get these children the proper diagnosis and the proper care. And that's one of the reasons Pam and I feel so strongly about peer support, because we have learned the most um, about how to help our kids through other parents who have been there, um, through each other and, and through other people's experiences. And, and Bernie, I think I mentioned this to you a time before, one out of five children in our country suffer from mental health disorders. It's a very, very, very common issue that we don't talk about. And uh, and yet and yet and because of that, it takes so much longer to get help. So you know, we really believe that if parents were if parents get together and help each other, that's just one of the, the best things that we can do. Which is why we started. So Pam, how did you and Randy meet, and what was the impetus to start this uh, parent-to-parent support group? And how long ago was it? We met in about 19, uh, 2006 at a support group at White Plains Hospital, which um, quickly ended probably after we had first met. And we became quick, fast friends. And over the years, we were providing each other with such a wonderful friendship and support that we felt that we wanted to start our own parents' support group. And the help that she, the help and support that she and I were providing with each other, as well as a true, genuine friendship, we wanted to um, see if we could bring this into the larger community. So, in 2011, we in May 2011, we launched the Parent to Parent Support Group for parents raising children with mood and anxiety issues. And we've been meeting monthly ever since. And about. Four months ago, we broke off into the over 18 group and the younger eight and below 18, and we've had over 500 families walk through our doors each and every month. It's really unbelievable. Well, they don't walk walk through every every month because otherwise we. <laughs> I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Absolutely, but we've had over 500 families um, connect yeah. with us and come to our groups. That's very flattering. I, I got to tell you, it's impressive. Uh, and Pam, you mentioned the under eighteen, over eighteen. Randy, is is there sort of a cutoff point that there are different issues that the parents have to cope with or deal with once the uh, child becomes an adult at eighteen? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, I think there there are there are different issues along the way, but as you know, Bernie, the legal issues completely change once your child is eighteen, and. And it becomes a much bigger struggle for a parent to to get their child the help they need. Um, one of the reasons that we believe so strongly in early intervention and trying to get your child help early because, you know, by the time they're 18, you don't have the control, as you know, 
um, you know, they're legally adults, and it becomes a much, much, much more complicated issue to, you know, to, to get your child to, you know, go to a doctor, get medication, go to therapy, uh, stay in school. All of those issues completely change once a child's 18. Are most of the parents who go to the support group meetings uh, moms? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, Randy, do you want to take it? No, go ahead. We have, um, we have both, we have more moms than dads, but we have also had, um, we've had a grandparent come, and that was a grandparent who spends a lot of time watching their child, watching their grandchild. I would say, I would say the amount of men that have come has been increasing through time. It does tend to be very mom-heavy, and, and part of that really, if you think about it, has to do with the fact that a lot of times you can't, both parents literally can't leave the house. Right. When your kid is unpredictable, when your child is having such significant problems that you just don't know what's going to happen at any given point, usually one parent has to stay home. And, um, and it, it just tends to be the moms who, who come. And I, and I think that's, that's pretty normal because it seems to be a, a little bit more difficult for, for fathers to kind of wrap their, their heads around these emotional issues. And, and I don't mean to be sexist in, in any way whatsoever. I think you know, there are some amazing fathers. We have one father who comes every time and, and the mother doesn't come. So I'm grossly generalizing. But um, we are seeing an increase in the fathers coming. And I think the more we start talking about mental health issues with children and it becomes more validated, we'll start to see more and more fathers show up. Yeah, you know, we mentioned earlier about the stigma or people's reluctance to talk about these issues. I trust that anything that's said in the support group meetings is, is confidential. Oh, absolutely. Yes, and we keep our, our, our email list confidential. I mean, we're, confidentiality is the most important thing, and it's the first thing we tell everyone who walks through the door. We, Pam and I are very open about our stories and our experiences because we feel really strongly about getting the word out that, that people are not alone and that we are here to help. But we would never, ever, ever share any information that we find out from other parents and we expect everyone else to, to follow those same guidelines. So be, keeping in mind the confidentiality, how does one get the word out that there's a meeting tonight or that the support group even exists? Well, how we get the word out is that we have we send the flyers to somehow the, the list. It's like you know, it just keeps getting passed and passed on, and people contact Randy and I for more information and, and asking to be put on our email list. But I, I also send the flyer out to all of the SEPTAs, the special ed PTAs in Westchester County, and our hope is that they're that they're putting it on their websites or or making the flyer known to people because at each monthly meeting we do have at least one or two new people so so the word just keeps coming and getting out uh, we have some clinicians that we send the flyer to that hopefully they're also telling their their clients that that they can um, come to the group which is no cost and and you right. can just you know right and it's not in a doctor's office. Our feeling, our feeling was that so that that so many of us have spent so much time 
at the school in meetings, at doctor's offices in meetings, that the comfort of Randy and, and my home and having a glass of wine and eating some chocolate and talking about how the challenges of raising children with mood issues is, 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 is get, the word is getting out. Right, it's, and, and it's a very comfortable environment. We, we have been asked by several organizations to run the group through their, you know, being sponsored by them, and we, we've made a conscious decision not to do that and not to affiliate with any particular organization. It's a free parent group that we run as parents. We are not professionals. And we found that it makes people more comfortable. They, they don't want to walk into, you know, any kind of mental illness, uh, organization or, or, or environment and, and, and so far that seems to really have worked very well and we're not saying that people shouldn't they should, NAMI runs great groups and Mental Health Association does some great work and WJCS does great work so we're not we're not saying that they shouldn't there's a, there's a, there are a lot of great resources out there this is just an, another one for parents to to look at. Where do siblings fit in? You guys have uh, done a great job of focusing on the parents, but if there's younger brothers and sisters that want to be involved uh, or, or feel a need to be part of a support group, uh, is, is there any future there to have a, a group for siblings? You know, we've talked about it, and, and I think, <clears throat> you know, it, it would be wonderful one day to be able to do that. It's 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 very complicated because there are different ages of different kids and, and who would run a group like that. I mean, it's definitely complicated, but it's something that people have been asking for, and I would I would never say never, but we currently don't don't offer something like that. Pam, did you have something to add? No. Well, we we our our group is for parents, so when parents come in. And very often discussions are about the siblings, especially, uh, yes, very often there's a lot of discussion about siblings that all, um, we do our best to try and search the community for, you know, anything that can help parents, any, any, maybe there isn't a group, a clinical group, of course, outside of our group. And so we help parents try, find the resources that they're asking for. And we do that in two ways. Randy and I do that on our own time, just exploring resources, as well as we reach out to our parents um, email list asking if they know of any resources. And so that's another, that's been a fantastic um, outcome of this group is that parents are, are helping other parents find resources, things that have they have found helpful, things that they have found productive. So we do our best to help parents with that, and they come to us with a variety of, of can you, you know, can you look into this and do you know of this? So before we wrap up, ladies, I want to make sure that we give our listeners an opportunity to learn how to contact you. Uh, so who wants to give the contact information? Pam, go ahead. Okay, so my email is Pam Mosk, P-A-M-M-O-S-K, at gmail.com. And please, anybody can email me with any question, with Anything they certainly can. And our emails are also on the flyer of our support group, which is listed on the Lippman and Crooks website. And Andy? My, Go ahead, Randy. My email, yes, my email address is Randy, R-A-N-D-I, S as in Sam, I-L, V as in Victor, at AOL. And so for now, um, either one of our emails 
works, and we, we just take care of this all very one-to-one on a personal basis. And if someone even just wants to get on our email list so that they stay informed of when our groups are, you know, that's okay, too. They can just send us an email asking to be put on our, on our email list. And there's no charge to participate, and there's no ongoing commitment. No. There is no fee. Nope. Uh, that's fantastic. And there is no ongoing commitment. People come as they're able to. So you don't have to feel obligated to show up at every meeting just because you no. show up. Oh, no. No, no, not at all. And very often we'll get emails like uh, an hour before group that says, didn't think I'd be able to make it. Can I make it? And our response is, we'd love to see you. Right. And, um, and we have some regulars. Um, but most people come on an as-needed basis. Uh, some, some, some months, some months, people come, you know, three months in a row, and then we don't see them for a year, and then they come back. And we uh, always have new people every single time. So it's not uh, someone who's new to, is not intruding on an established group where everyone knows each other. It's never like that. There are always, always new people every group. Well, Pam Moskowitz and Randy Silverman, founders of the Parent to Parent Support Group. Uh, for parents who are raising children with uh, mental health issues, including depression and anxiety. Uh, I want to thank you for all you do uh, for our local community and for being on our podcast show today. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for all you do as well. Everyone have a great day. So long. 